Hello and welcome to the Seven Ways Podcast. This is a downstream from religion series within our podcasts. Uh, we're going to do introduction number two to Shoftim uh, in a different format today. We are going to try to speak about why in the world someone would bow down to stones and wood. Uh, why would someone do Avodazar, idolatry? Uh, here as my co-host is Saul once again. How are you doing, Saul? Hey, doing good, Ian. Awesome, man. We're here on a wonderful Moti Shabbos, trying to learn some Torah together. So it's my goal to do with uh, 20 minutes or less, <laughs> something like that, to prove why, why in the world somebody would worship idols. What does that even mean? So initially, we start with Rambam, as usual, Maimonides. Rambam writes in the Mishnah Torah that it initially, everyone believed in God, and, it, and it, gradually, they made a mistake in the times of Enosh. They made a mistake, and they began to think that instead of worshiping God, they should um, worship what God created, stars and spheres. It is fitting to praise them and glorify them, um, and it was still related to God. Um, but after that, Many years passed and false prophets came by and they said, you know what, you should serve this idol because it's not happy today. It's going to be upset and you need to really serve the idol. So it really became a manipulation after that. What we call a Hegelian dialectic, you know, people or governments say, hey, there's a huge problem here. You need to assuage this problem. So people would take advantage of the public. They would give money, they create a priestly caste, and they would pry on people's imagination, you know. Uh, oh, imagine that there's this God of fire and wood or a mighty powerful God. You need to give us money and to give that idol sacrifices in order to be happy. So it was sort of a trick. And Rambam puts that in two different halachas here because I believe he's highlighting that there's two different reasons why someone would do a bodhisattva. One is the mistake of the individual and another one is sort of a corruption of the group. Does that make sense? Any questions about that? Or is that kind of... Makes sense that one would be a mistake of the individual, the other one is a manipulation from strong people. What do you, uh, can you explain again the how, how's it different the mistake of an individual versus the people? Sure. Different? The first, the first one is that I, as an individual, believe in God, but I started thinking that you know there's lots of different servants of God, like the sun and the moon and the stars, or maybe, um, like. Hey, Zeus or something, mm. or Earth or Gaia, uh, just to extend it to other types. And I'm going to start worshiping the sun and the moon and the stars. And gradually it'll disconnect from the transcendental, unified God and just become an idolatrous practice. I'm worshiping the moon now. It's, sort of God, it's God's footstool. It's God's messenger. Mm. Just like you bow down and praise a courier or a sergeant of a king, of a melech, you're going to, going to praise them. And the other version is that manipulative people come along and say, you better bow down to this. Uh, and I believe that develops into a cult. Occultic practices, people taking advantage of other people. And did, so did it, it start off as the first way and then it gradually became the second? Correct. Okay. Exactly. There was a histalist, there was a, a gradual uh, devolving into these practices. And as an extension of number one, I want to prove today, that an individual without a group manipulating him can also go down this road of perdition. Because if somebody starts doing averos, sins, hanging out with, doing inappropriate things with women or uh, stealing or things like that, they, they sort of have to forget about God. You have to bavorn, you have to preempt that there's a God to justify your own personal 
dalliances. So you may say, oh, well, you know, I believe in a, I believe in a general power in the universe. There's sort of a, a force in the universe, which is God. But God doesn't really want me to do these commandments. He just wants me to be a good person and do other commandments. And gradually this person perhaps will keep going down the road of indulgence and become extremely uh, indulgent as an individual and um, become a heretic. <laughs> doesn't always happen. They could be halfway down the road. Um, I believe... This is actually, these two approaches, it's really kind of three. We've got two and a half approaches here. There's the mistaken person who worships uh, something that's not God. There's the person who needs to forget about God for his own, his or her own personal dalliances or preempting God. And then there's the, the cult, the group, exercising rights. Now, if you go to the five books of Moses, right, the Chumash, many laws are repeated. Seemingly, we expect God created the world. Here's Mount Sinai. Here's some laws, like an American law book. But it doesn't happen that way, right? Over and over, things are repeated. If you go to the book of Vayikra, Leviticus, the parshas of Achrimos and Kedoshim, repeatedly you see different laws that are placed together, seemingly in a, God forbid, disorganized fashion. And some of them are, don't do idols, you have Yom Kippur, don't have inappropriate uh, sexual relationships, Molech, then back to the holiness of Israel. Mm -hmm. then, then talk about offerings. Loving your fellow Jew, don't do Kiloim. More interpersonal laws. Kaloyim. I want to argue that you can make sense of these sections of the Torah if you understand that the Torah is specifically here trying to get rid of Avodah Zarah from our emotions and our psychology. You can understand why this, why these mitzvahs are repeated and why it's sort of like a cycle of the same four and five types of mitzvahs here. Because Achremos here represents the individual's corruption and Kedoshim represents the group corrupting the individual. And the Torah wants us to know different types of Avodah Zarah so we get away from it. But before we get to this in too much detail, let's go back to Rambam and Mordevuchim. Rambam, Mordevuchim, philosophical book, The Guide for the Perplexed. In this book, he doesn't quite tell you exactly straight, you know, different secret philosophy that he discovered. He wants you to sort of take the ideas and glean and gloss them and put them back into the Chumash. It's for people who are advanced in philosophy and Torah, which they viewed as one. They viewed metaphysics and physics and Torah all as one. Aristotelian method. So in uh, Mornavuchim, Rambam says that really, ideally, we're not supposed to have these nasty animal sacrifices, killing animals and burning it up to God. We're supposed to pray and meditate. But when the Torah was given, everyone was doing a Bodhisar at the time. So God does not change human nature suddenly. Rather, he sort of pointed the Jewish people's worship towards him, and he included animal sacrifice in in those practices. Interesting, right? Very interesting, yeah. <laughs> Any questions on that, or that's a good start there? Well, I've always wondered then, what will we all go back to the sacrifices when Mashiach comes? Or? Yes, it's a great question, yeah. exactly. And another way to ask it is, like, you know, today, studying this or understanding this, is it moot? You know, we go, we go to high school and university, and we're educated, we don't believe in magic and all this. Right. So why is it relevant to us? So I believe Ramah is telling us a deep psychological principle. So there's a famous psychologist named Carl Jung, and he spoke about the collective unconscious. In other words, human beings all have the same basic mind in its sort of root form. We might have different personalities, different experiences, but consistently we have the same type of archetypes, he says, in our minds. We look for a mother figure, father figure, mercy. We look for love. There's violence. There's kingship. There's creativity. Different symbols in our minds always seem to be there. 
and he, he proves this many times. How, why is it that someone uh, 2,000 years ago in South America built a temple, and they had a similar-looking temple in Asia? And the, the people seemingly never met each other. There wasn't Pangaea at the time where everything was together. They didn't travel that far. So he answers that within our minds, we're all looking for a, a Kadosh Kadashim. We're look, looking for a sac, sac, sacred place. He doesn't say Kadosh Kadashim. He says we're looking for a sacred place, sacred priestly caste. So I believe Rambam is guiding us to understand that Karbanos offerings are something that are actually in the back of our mind, even if we feel super educated and super advanced in our, within our psychology. So getting, getting back to your question, absolutely there will be uh, Karbanos, animal sacrifice, in the third base of Midash. And it won't be understood as arcane. It will be understood as enhancing our psychology, keeping us away from idolatrous practices which actually do exist today in many forms whether it be actual bound down or um, ideas that are corrupt or um, uh, ideologies that lead to bad behavior or are, are intrinsically against God and today you can go online on Amazon and buy a Baphomet statue you have people in our society who went to university colleges and they have a tattoo of Baphomet because that represents to them destroying the world and rebuilding it. There's a Satan tattoo because that represents to them being contrarian. Other people literally believe in Wicca and Satan and these things. So, number one, today, literally, people do actually believe in these things. <laughs> and that's straight up. You know, I'm not saying every single person does animal sacrifice, killing children, blood, and all these things that the uh, certain conspiracy theorists say. But it's in, it's in, it's in our mind. And even if we believe in God and we're educated, we still have to extricate from us that we want to harm ourselves. Why is a tattoo forbidden? Rambam says, Chukim in the Torah. Here's my secret, Rambam says. The Gemara says, Chukim are just a gezerah from Hashem that you have to keep. And Mishpatim are mitzvot that if they were not written, you would write them. Like, don't steal, don't kill. Chukim, or just do it, Hashem says. Well, Rambam says, well, I'll give you the idea that Chukim really are anti abodazara The priests used to shave their head bald, like we have skinheads today is sort of a bad thing. Don't cut the side of your head because it's a pre it's a non-Jewish comrim, it's an Avodazara dicka thing to have a clean shaven face. Even to the point where there are people that used to cook a kid in its mother's milk. And that was their Vodazara service. Boom. It's not just some bizarre thing that Jewish people keep. It's something deep. And now you could say at the time, you know, they were mixing together for, you know, the fertility of milk and the life and blood of an animal. Maybe there is a way we could explain that sort of negative practice to ourselves. Mixing wool and linen. Ramban says, God created a very specific ecosystem in the universe. If you go and put wool and linen together and you graph things together, that's almost like wiping out all the bees and then the flowers and the trees don't happen, right? Well, he, these are my examples. But he says... When you do shotnays, you're destroying the ecosystem of the universe. And that is something that is a Avodah practice. People um, who look at Avodah as important might look for a mighty warrior to be a hero, and that's going to save them, but not God. That's Avodah That's foreign worship. They also might say, I hate myself, and I want to go and destroy the universe. And then one way to do that is through transhumanism or through uh, mixing things within creation. God created things a certain way. There's a limit to how much you can blend it and make it together. Okay? So we need to extricate from ourselves self-harm. 
blood and violence and wanting to worship violence. We need to stop saying we um, some of the Abodazaras are strong men and mighty warriors. We need to say we need to stop having mighty warriors come and help us. We need to help ourselves and then look in Hashem. There's um, a female Abodazara that is Ashtaros and there is um, a Shea tree. Ashtaros. I didn't want to wait for this feminine archetype to come and save me. Really, I need to have healthy masculinity and go to be in charge of this and that. So, Seir, why in the world? Let's go Let's go straight back to Archimosa Kedoshim. Why in the world do we, on the holiest day of the year, do we take a goat and we throw one of them off a cliff and we put one of them on the Mizbech to Hashem? It's it. And Ramban says, we're appeasing the Sitra Acha. We're appeasing, what is this? We need to give a gift to the devil? What is that? What in the world does that mean? Back to what I said. If if I hate myself, like a road in the Chumash, a road was a mamzer, so he made a mule. He said, "I I feel terrible. I'm screwed up. I'm gonna go mess up creation because I hate myself. I'm not dealing with my own psychology and healing. Hurt people, hurt people, as they say in Baltimore, right? I gotta go hurt somebody else. So if I if I feel I'm ugly, I'm gonna harm myself. I'm gonna tattoo myself with certain things." And I'm also going to make a lowercase g god that looks like an ugly goat. Goats are some of the ugliest looking creatures around with the horns and with the face. And that's why they chose Baphomet in these things. So here, back to Achimos, holiest day of the year. Hashem wants us to get our minds blown with the contradiction. On the one hand, a goat is ugly. We need to throw the ugliness of self-destruction off of the cliff. About Azara, it's about death worship and negative parts of the world as well. We also take a goat and we see, no, Hashem's creation is really beautiful, all of it, and it's constructive. We put it on the altar for Hashem. That blows our mind to get rid of self-destruction and to view everything as constructive to Hashem. Does that make sense? It all started with a big mistake. We shouldn't have been doing this stuff, but now that we did this, we need a physical temple. We're supposed to meditate. The, the Nachash, it says that the primordial snake when he, he was Baal Chava, he, he had relations with Chava and gave her Zuhamasa, spiritual slime. And then, and then Mount Sinai, it went away. And then it came back with Egg Lazav. So, so Rambam, as usual, understands things intellectually speaking. The Nachash is about imagination, imaginative thinking. When we damaged ourselves by doing Zara, we went back to being lower level psychology. We need a priestly case, we need a building, we need something physical. The whole discussion around Ban Rashi about that. What's ideal? Sachar talks about our own sons dying in Yom Kippur. Incense service. Azazel. I just explained to you the Azazel service. Keep Yom Kippur. Then there's a prohibition against eating blood. Rambam says in Mornavuchim, they used to sit around blood and eat blood and talk to the demons and talk to the spirits. Okay? This is a great topic now. Is black magic real or not? When they did a Bodhazara, did they actually affect creation in the Bria? Okay? I have a book from somebody who claims to used to be an Illuminati and all this, whatever it means. And he spoke to somebody who claims to use black magic and that this man went and did a dark ritual and made an earthquake somewhere. What is, is this true? Where's Hashem there, you know? So there's a Gemara in Abu Zara, Nunhei, that says, if Hashem is going to make an earthquake a certain day, he's not going to stop it because some foolish Abu Zara man made a spell. Could have been a coincidence. But also, if somebody is so full of Avodah Zarah that Hashem gives up on them, he, he lets them slip slide away. He'll do that for, he'll, Hashem is doing it. Hashem will do the earthquake and he'll let them be 
corrupt and move off there. Okay? So Rambam says there's no such thing as black magic. All this is sleight of hand. If, if you think that someone was doing a Bodhisattva and manipulated the Bria or made you feel a certain way or a certain spell, sleight of hand. A lot of other Rishonim say there is such a thing as black magic. Hashem allows it to exist. So as we go through Shoptim, all these Avodah that were destroying the Jewish people's esteem that they were getting to, to progress, we're going to understand um, why they were potent. Was it something that was magical that came to bother them? Or it's even more powerful if Avodah is not real because it's going to touch upon certain archetypes of people. If they're doing the Baal, if they're looking for this mighty God, then they're not going to be looking to Hashem to be a leader. And then we're going to see Asnil ben Kanaz. He comes along and he shows how the mighty warrior doesn't last forever. It doesn't bring him all. It doesn't bring um, a king to Israel. He just comes along to be a flash in the pan. Forty years, wonderful, big mitzvot. But it was destroyed with the Vodazara. They're still looking for that king to come and save them. That's one of the mistakes. So sitting around eating blood. The Gemara in Sanhedrin says people used to sit in the cemetery to get a Ruach Tuma to go over them. So either there's some magical state they're tapping into in their mind and they're meditating, or, you know, when people are involved in these, like, dark rituals or the MS-13 gangs that have to go kill somebody to get in the gang or to do something naughty, it, it does damage your psychology that you're in a certain mood of darkness and uh, deceit and sociopathy to be a sociopath or just to be dark or depressed. So that could be rough tumor as well. It's a psychological state that someone goes through if they're sitting in the cemetery and they're getting involved in these Halloween activities and things. Hmm. Okay, so what do we do as Jewish people? Cover up the blood. Continue. Forbidden traditions. When you go to Eretz Yisrael, don't do like they do in the Canaan. We're talking about Shoftim, conquering the land. And then it talks about inappropriate intimate relationships. Did you know that there was, uh, number one, they used to have sacred prostitution in these temples back in the day. Unbelievable. I there were people set that. aside for relations as a ritual. And some people would go like a masquerade party and just, just have relations with each other. On top of that, there's an incredible um, chazal here that says... Okay, in Sanhedrin 63b, quoted in the Margolia Sayam, it says in the Gomorrah, Israel only worshipped idols to permit forbidden intimate relationships oh, in wow. public. Wow. <laughs> Such is the tradition, says Margolesiam, in our hands from the Gaonim. The people after those, right, they sealed the Gomorrah and then the Gaonim. Transferred from man to man by word of mouth from Moshe Rabbeinu. <laughs> Peace be upon him, that every single form of idol worship needed some sort of service that included forbidden intimate relationships. Oh, wow. Unbelievable. <laughs> well, would that explain the drive to do a Vodazara then? Is that what the, that was? Because they wanted to have this intimacy? Right. I think so. I mean, it wasn't just the drive to just to do the worship. It was more that to do the intimacy. Yeah. Right. And remember when um, with Midian comes, Bilam cannot curse the Jewish people and corrupt them. So he recommends uh, Midian oh. should come and they send their women and Shimon is having relations and Pinchas kills them, right? Right. So, yeah. So the Jewish guy is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, I'll bend out of the get you. Just, let's, <laughs> let's have relations. Let's do this. You know, it's more about the relations, you know. Wow. And so that's a driving force behind it. And that's what I mean by the corruption of the individual. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's worship this Abodah Zara. I need to forget about God and to get into my own thrills. And also, they incorporated this into the service. Maybe it wasn't just ancillary. It's some kind of ritual. 
And I believe, again, remember these mental states we're talking about? I'm in a mental state of darkness when I go to the cemetery on Halloween and people feel things in these buildings and they think right. they see ghosts. And I think it's psychosomatic. I'm a rationalist. But there's something in the mind, I'm sure, that they're activating where they feel dark or they uh, see things on the side of their mind or they feel anxious. So I, I, I seriously believe that people are having the intimacy there and that high experience, they're mixing that high experience with a high of spirituality. Mm. It's, a, it's a psychosomatic thing or just a physical somatic thing. Because, mm. you know, there's a famous story where this rabbi gave these um, women to fill in to wear and they said they felt so spiritual, but there was no parchments in there, right? Right. So, you know, or you, you can be singing and you're, you're um, they, they proved, actually, I, saw, I heard that a, a neurologist said, there's certain um, frequencies that tap into stimulating our minds that feel spiritual. And a lot of religious songs, I can't believe it's Gamma or Delta. There are certain ways they categorize these songs. It was Dr. James Fallon from UC Irvine. Um, he studied the mind a lot. He's the one that proved that he had the, the brain of a uh, um, psychopath. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, amazing story. So he's talked about on a podcast about certain songs can activate certain waves in your brain. That doesn't mean that your words are going to Shemayim, they're going to Hashem and being effective. Mm-hmm. You know, the rabbis and... To Hillam, that tells you what's an effective prayer. It's not, right. you know, it's not um, what's necessarily the feeling you have. But I believe that they're activating these, oh, let's get you high, let's get you feeling good. And that was part of the um, corruption. So again, we continue in Ahremos, forbidden intimacy relationships. Don't worship the Molech. That's, they would pass their children on the fire of the Molech, uh, likely to singe them. Not necessarily, there's a Molech and there's other things. One of them is singeing them, it's like a fire god. One of them is they would actually take their children and sacrifice them to these, to these beings. Unbelievable. Terrible. Yep. Don't lie with an animal. That's what Ramban says. Yeah. Why would anyone do that? Right. You know, you just you just say lonely. You don't have a woman. It's actually part of this road to perdition that I'm talking about. The Ramban comments. There's a sentence that says, "The Hazinu is that parsha with that poem at the beginning. Laharbos haraba alatzamea to add the hungry to the thirsty. Yeah. What does that mean? Ramban says a person engages in their desires and doesn't stop. They want more. Mm. Yitzhahara tells you, I need some more, I need some more. And you have to get more perverse and more strange to get your kicks. It starts with a bunch of women, he says. Then it goes to men and then animals and, and depraved activity. So this is part of that road to perdition. You, a person has to keep getting the whims of their heart, feeling excited. It, so what I'm trying to say is, if you keep going through all these halachas, oh, we got to the end of uh, Akhremos. If you keep going these halachas, that is the individual's experience with the Bodhisattva. He, and, we, and even today, we need to understand this as, I might not be bowing my head down to a getchka, although people do, but we need to be careful when it comes to desires, when it comes to forgetting about God, pushing Him aside, when it comes to intimate relationships that can corrupt us and take us away from God. Avodah Zarah, that is a foreign service. Avodah Zarah does not mean idolatry. There's idols in the middle of a Kedash There's cherubs in there, right? Right. It's not, a, it's not iconology. It is foreign service. These things can make me as an individual corrupted. And Kadoshim again, is about the group exercising cultism. There could be people that are doubting if this this uh, image in front of me, there's a Moloch, there's a huge, ugly, um, nasty-looking golden metal thing in front of me. Fire's coming out of it. I know that people let that thing. I'm sitting in the back saying, man, this is bunk. It doesn't matter because those priests and your, your community you live in, and pretty much the whole world as you know it, until Abraham comes along, is telling you this is real. So you just have to sit there and be involved in being corrupted. Plenty of people had imaginative thinking. People think that certain signs and omens work. Even today, people think, you know, oh God, it, you know, uh, I'm sitting in there as a psychotherapist, 
and I'm reading I'm reading textbooks now. People don't want to say that any kind of God Abraham religion could be true, but oh, they see spirits, and even in textbook they were bashing Jewish people every other chance they can get in these corrupt text these uh, corrupted textbooks. Every other case is about a bad behaving Jew. It's very sad. But then they'll say, no, no, those are patriarchal religions made up by patriarchs. But my client was communicating with the dead in the middle of session with her grandma. And it's like, wait a minute, dude. Is that, isn't that magical? <laughs> so these people will really will believe in a magical way of thinking. We have to be careful with the group. That's why you have kadosh. Be kadosh to Hashem. Setting, setting aside yourselves as a holy nation. Then there's korbanos, gifts to the poor, loving your fellow. That's making sure the individual is taken care of. I mentioned kiloim, forbidden mixtures, don't corrupt creation. Now, transhumanism is a big thing nowadays. They're pushing this thing where anybody can be anything. We have to merge with machines and all that. This immediately takes you away from HaKadosh Baruch Hu and pure creation. The Torah is so ahead of its time. The Chukim, don't mix together these things. It's not just um, that you're like taking away bees and there's no flowers. It is corrupting the fabric of creation and turns into foreign worship and destruction. It's a huge issue nowadays, and they're pushing it on society to divide and conquer. The British Empire ruled one quarter of humanity. They were not the biggest and strongest. They would be psychological. They divided the different groups and tribes and got them fighting, and then they would conquer them. We cannot be uh, disunified. We must be united as well through the shtus. All right. It mentions the Molech, and again, forbidden intimate relationships. Why again? Because this is the group corruption, not the individual's corruption. They need to mention it again. The land and the morality, they will get kicked out of Israel if they're immoral. They um, cannot engage in those activities. So when we, when we say the Korban Tamid, the daily offering during davening, it's meant to extricate certain behaviors and beliefs about materialism, about self-harm, about prayer, about animals, about physicality, blood. And when we have disdain for iconology, we aren't trying to turn our nose at different faiths. We're trying to be careful not to slip slide down the road to perdition. So, Saul, any ideas come from this that made you think of something new? Yeah, you know, I was thinking a lot about uh, the expression, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times um, you might meet someone with a certain ideology or a certain belief system and then you, it begs the question, you know, did they come upon this way of thinking by being rational and coming to these conclusions? Or did they have certain feelings that then led themselves to believe certain things? Mm. You know, what's the chicken and what's the egg? And, you know, another thing I was thinking about is I've met people with crazy tattoos. For example, you know, something related to Satan. And, it, you know, I asked the person, are you, like, are you really into Satan? Is that what it is you're into? Like or, evil and causing trouble? And exactly. Bad. Or is it, does it represent something like just being contrarian? And, oh, that's so true. Because people say, no, I don't, I'm not going to, I'm not going to believe in Satan and be totally anti. I'm just questioning its other side of things. And right. That might be an ideology they have, but, but, but what came first? Like the fact that they need to be against something like positive or... Did they sit down and like make a calculated? Oh, that's very good because that's exactly the Bodhisattva. It's really the feelings behind it that justify the imagery and the bad behavior. Exactly, and that's something you can ask yourself for someone who gets that kind of tattoo. It's something you could ask yourself: is what what is it that drove me to do X, Y, and Z, and what could I, 
what else could I do and channel that same energy, those same ideas in a good way? Replacement behavior. Exactly, which uh. is what Avodazara was to be replaced by with uh, with the Beit Migdash and the sacrifice. Oh, wow, you're talking to hold the whole thing together. It's almost like a kindness from Hashem. Right. Hashem acknowledged that He won't change our nature. So, too, we can be kind to our family, to our therapy clients. What's the feeling behind it? Exactly. And then channel with replacement behavior, healing, initial feeling. That's beautiful. That's nice. a beautiful idea. Thank you, thank you. And, uh, yes, another thing I was thinking about is uh, this idea that a lot of these people out there protesting and destroying cities and doing these kind of things, you have to ask, what's the root of these things? And maybe you could find that a lot of times these kind of people uh, have a problems with authority figures, yeah. which psychologically could go back to maybe a lack of a father figure. Right, that's true. Yeah, my, my friend sent me a huge article and they trace back, like, gang members pick, they have a lack of a father figure. The, the new father is the gang leader. That's his person. Sure. Or people are, yeah, the article showed systemically that the home has been changed and uh, not understanding authority, certain types of authority is good. Speaking about, or, yeah, 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 tell me, tell me. Speaking yeah. about That's gangs right. or whatever, exactly. it reminds me a lot of uh, a lot of the gangster movies, for example. <laughs> um, specific ones like Goodfellas, Casinos. Uh, you know, a lot of Mar you know, those are directed by Martin Scorsese, who did a lot of work to get things done accurately. Yeah. And what you'll find in some of these movies, for example, Goodfellas, the main character in the movie, you don't see his father at all throughout the whole movie. It's only in the beginning, and it's in a scene where his father's beating him uh. for, let's say, not going to school. And I think that reflects or represents the lack of a father figure. And yeah. then throughout the movie, you see him getting close to other. Uh, it's not just learning violence it has to do with like they don't grow up saying oh I want to be a criminal they're like oh this man who I now trust as my new father is going to take me under his wing and oh I yeah, see exactly and boom back to the chicken and the egg chicken and the egg what comes first <laughs> yeah that's beautiful awesome oh those are great ideas I'm so glad you're joining us as a co-host you always come up with like some great matching ideas brother thanks man it's always <laughs> a lot of fun thanks for having me we'll do some more God willing so getting back to wrapping this up with Shoftim, now as we go through all the different uh, Shoftim, the heroes, the superheroes within the, the book of the Sefer, we will understand that little idols of trees and even a fly, there's a idol that's a fly in someone's <laughs> pocket, all have tremendous symbology, not just black magic and, and strangers, but tremendous symbology for why it leads to human beings' downfall. Thank you, thank you for joining us on this Seven Ways podcast, Downstream from Religion. We hope you have a blessed day. Mm -hmm.